You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. This could go on forever. What should I do? I could shave. I can clip my nails. Nah. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Fikes at the training camp. Fikes at the training camp. Fikes at the training camp. Matthew Collar's there. Hi, Matthew. What's up? Happy football day. Oh, man. Pads. Full pads, right? Today. We are just hours away from pads popping. Oh, the sound of pads live popping thud. in July is actually a time for some music to my ear. Time for some live thud, Matthew yes. Collar. Nothing better than live thud. You know, especially after all that flopping in the World Cup. And I got into the World Cup, but that's not real football. This is real <laughs> no. football. This is real I mean, football. We already, we already had a fight yesterday. So, I mean, really? if we were reaching fights by day three or whatever it was yesterday, I mean... Who fought? Imagine what we're going to get with the pads going at each other, full pads. It's going to be great. Yeah. Who fought? Uh, it was uh, Aviante Collins and Devontae Downs, which oh. I would guess neither player you two have heard of. Punches thrown or what? Oh, yeah. No, there were nice. punches thrown. I, I, we didn't get an explanation on what caused it. It was just, the, you know, they were going at it a little bit, and then all of a sudden Aviante Collins, who did play in some games last year as a sixth offensive lineman for the Vikings, he started taking some, uh, some swings and throwing haymakers, but he came back into practice, so maybe they didn't feel it was entirely his fault. I mean, you know what? It's, it's dual purpose. If you're borderline on the fence for a football career and you're you know, the 80th guy on the roster, you might as well put some MMA fight tape out there, a little boxing tape out there. You know, just put it all well, on I the same tape. I, yeah. Well, I can tell you this. He is not going to uh, impress anyone with the <laughs> punch technique. His, uh, his offensive line technique isn't too bad, but his punch throwing technique was horrible so i'm gonna guess that is not going to be a second career so uh, t- tell us about this f- photo that i saw you tweeted today that it's got security out there in egan has gotten to the point now where victor the viking is having problems <laughs> getting near the field i mean how how is this how are we having a breakdown where a security guard tells victor thanks but no thanks yeah, so uh, when I got out here this morning, I uh, was waiting just behind security, behind Victor the Viking, who was on his Segway uh, to go into the field area. And, uh, yeah, the security guard stopped Victor and said, no, man, uh, you can't go in there. Sorry, you can't go in that area. And then a team employee had to come uh, running from the other side and say, no, 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 it's okay. And the exact quote, I'm not making this up, the exact quote from the team employee was, he's our team mascot. As if the security guard could not have figured that out, although having a very having a very brief conversation with the security guard, it is possible that he did not realize that. But, uh, yeah, it's okay. He's our mascot. So, yeah, it, it's, it's on lockdown out here. Okay, if you're Victor Viking in that situation, are you, are you, are you, you still talk. like, so, yeah, can, are you allowed to, to, under your mask, tell the security guard verbally what's happening, or do you have to, like, mime it out? Uh, he mimed it out. He did, he stayed a hundred percent. You can't he talk. One hundred percent in character. He did not talk. He threw up his hands in frustration, as we all would. And then I looked at Victor Viking, and he looked at me, and we were like, I don't know. So it was 
Yeah, it was quite a start to the day out here. You know, to just to illustrate the level of commitment mascots have to their craft, we hold a, we we heard a story one time two years ago about Goldie the Gopher. And now there might be like I think there's more than one Goldie the Gopher. I, I feel like there's five or ten because yeah. there's so many sporting events and like there's a skating Goldie and then there's you know there's baseball Goldie over here, and and so they were doing the Gopher Sports Caravan around different parts of Minnesota and there's only like five or six people on the actual bus and there was one youngish college age kid on the bus that nobody really knew who he was but like at every stop Goldie Gopher would come out and so. So I think it was one of the, it might have been Norwood Teague actually that had this conversation or one of the PR people or something uh, wanted to make sure that Goldie wasn't signing body parts that like he, he was being asked to sign, you know, someone would hold out their arm or whatever and he would sign their arm. And, and so this person from the U of M on the bus went to the college age kid that he presumed was Goldie and said, Hey, I just, just want to make sure that, you know, you're not violating any rules by, by, by signing anyone's arms. And the kid goes, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, no, 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 you like no. As Goldie, when you're playing Goldie, you're you're. We don't want you to sign. He goes, I'm not Goldie, and played this out like to that level. You're not supposed to tell anyone. Your, so I wonder whoever plays Victor Viking. I wonder if their wife even knows, or they just disappear for a few hours and come back late at night. It might, maybe it's oh. like uh, the law, how you you don't have to testify against your husband or wife. Right. Uh, you know, maybe it's the same way. So you can you could share it with them because they couldn't testify about that so yeah no that and victor yeah he was great about it i mean his the look on his, well, his face doesn't change but i mean his uh, the body the look on his face the look on his face is great tell me a tf his his body language though was uh he was just completely baffled by the situation and then uh i was too but i was lucky enough to chronicle it with a photograph of the security guard pointing at him like, no, 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 you can't go this way, which is just tremendous. You did a fine, a fine job. Uh, am I correct, Matthew Collar, in saying that the uh, the practice that I was at, I believe that Delvin Cook looks in better condition th- than he did at the start of training camp last year? Uh, yeah, I don't think that would be excessive, considering that he's had uh, this entire time to train with an NFL training staff, not just uh, to recover with his legs, but in terms of, uh, you know, the upper body and things like that, committing entirely to uh, football. And, I mean, just even Latavius Murray said yesterday, like, he looks pretty incredible out there in terms of his, uh, you know, he's cutting and he's got the burst that's back that's been there for the entire time. So, I mean, he has looked like he's back to 100%. He hasn't been taking all the first-team reps. He's been splitting those with Latavius Murray. I mean, I I don't think you want to get him started uh, too fast here considering what he's coming from but man i mean last at one point this offseason we would have said yeah he'll maybe start training camp and instead he was there in mini camp and now he just looks great and i think they're penciling him in for being 100 percent by week one matthew collar 1500 espn.com purple podcast is full of awesome stuff right now and he has an article front and center on 1500 espn.com <laughs> Uh, just about Mike Zimmer and his personality and his level of honesty. It's called Mike Zimmer, uh, the last honest head coach. All right, there's a million different directions we could go here. Maybe we can dive in more tomorrow too. But what do you think Mike Zimmer learned the most personality-wise as it pertains to coaching and teaching players from Bill Parcells? 
Well, I, you know, I, I think that he's taken a lot of what Parcells did in terms of being extremely blunt about the football stuff with guys, not sugarcoating at all and telling them, look, you've got to do this, this, and this, and that's how it's going to be. And Zimmer, like Parcells, has let that spill over into press conferences and, and in the public. And then the most obvious example is Case Keenum last year where it drove Zimmer insane that he threw some bad interceptions uh, against Washington and nearly blew a game where they were way up, and he was not shy about bringing that up over and over again. And there's been, you know, Laquan Treadwell and Anthony Barr and a number of different players where he's shown his frustration. And I think everything is like that behind the scenes with every single player. And overall, you know, in the media, that might not always be the best way to go about it. But in terms of how you're actually coaching the players, it is. That is the best way to go about it, is to be 100% honest with them. And I think it's one of the reasons he was so successful as a position coach, as a defensive backs coach with Dallas and as a defensive coordinator, because he is so good at expressing exactly what he wants and what he needs guys to do and doesn't shy away from that. And I think that that plays into his success overall as a head coach. So when he tells you guys stuff, Collar, how much do you think he is is calculated in, in what he puts out there, and how much is just raw him where he where he's just genuine about it? Because that that's the one thing I'm curious about. How much does he put out there where he knows full well that that he's going to if he makes it public, he's going to get the response he desires, versus he's just upset about something, and so he tells you guys and might think to himself after that, I wish I hadn't said that. I think that he understands the things that might upset Rick Spielman in the front office. And so when it comes to a player like Treadwell in his rookie and in his second year, it was very much like, well, you know, he's coming along and that sort of thing. Or if it was somebody that they really liked as a young player. But once that player gets to be a couple years in, it's just the gloves are completely off. And he can say pretty much whatever he wants. I think with Kirk Cousins, it will be very interesting to see if he is honest when Cousins has some issues early in the season. I would doubt it, uh, but uh, as we go along and Cousins is fully the franchise quarterback, uh, is he going to protect him? He, he largely did with Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Bradford, but for whatever reason, he was willing to be completely honest about Case Keenum. So it's hard to kind of put odds on that. Uh, but but I, I think as far as if we're putting percentages on it, I mean, 90% is just him raw answering questions. He doesn't ever seem pre-prepared. I mean, I, I think Zimmer keeps 100% of his brain focused on technique and unlocking people's hips and strategizing and watching the game tape and all that. And then when he shows up in front of the podium, it's like, okay, all right, whatever questions you got, I'm going to answer them. And, you know, it. At times, he will just completely shut down press conferences that will last a minute and 30 seconds and be Belichickian. And then at other times, you know, today he was great talking about Anthony Barr as a, as a pass rusher and, and things like that. And yesterday I asked him about Kyle Rudolph lining up as a wide receiver at times, and he was just phenomenal with that. So there's kind of a, a balance with all of, of Zimmer, whether it's interacting with us or interacting with the, the players of being honest and being kind of hard-nosed that way, but also he is so intelligent when it comes to this game that you get a lot out of covering him. Uh, this is, I guess, the, the Vikings have in previous uh, you know versions of their front office and feels that they've they've dealt with tragedy before seasons. The Corey Stringer death happened at training camp. It, that was actually a little bit further along. That was like mid-August or somewhere in there, but it was right around this time. 
Uh, so this, like, to the organization, tragedy before a season is uh, is not foreign. How is this group, from the coaches to even filling the work that Tony Sprano put in to the players, how are they all coping and reacting from what you can tell? You know, they really followed Zimmer's message at this point. They completely stuck to Tony would want us to move forward and he would want us to win football games and he would want us to be a good offensive line and things like that. And it's been uh, such a fast and, and hectic thing. You know, you, you get here, you go from the funeral to get here and everything else. I'm not sure that it's really entirely sunk in for a, a lot of people, what, what they've gone through here just in, in the last few days. And maybe we will see some remnants of that. But uh, at the same time, these guys are really good at training themselves to avoid distractions and, and not be bothered by everything going on in the outside world. You know, sometimes when we criticize athletes for not really having a, a great awareness of what's going on outside them, well, that's because they're so focused, especially football players who are trying to make a team in training camp. And, and you know, I mean, that might be some of the reason that we, we don't see a lot of it, but, you know, they are going to have, you know, co-offensive line coaches here. That's going to be different for them, but it's not, you know, uh, a guy, Clancy Barone, it's not a guy who has no idea what he's doing. He coached offensive line in, in Denver. So, you know, it, it, it's definitely a tough situation for them. I don't know how much they want to share with us either. So it is kind of hard for me to put my finger on it. And everybody's different. You know, Riley Reef is 29 years old and has probably dealt with things like this. Pat Elfline is 23, and maybe he hasn't. So I think it might impact everybody differently. Yeah. Yeah, Matthew Collar, 1500ESPN.com, Saturday Sports Talk, and the Purple Podcast is the best Vikings podcast. You can find multiple episodes every week, pretty much anywhere you would download or subscribe to podcasts. All right, well, uh, I guess we'll catch you tomorrow, Collar. See you, Collar. All right, see you guys. Bye. I can see Collar miming outside the, the gates, too, next to the mascots. How does somebody who, and I, I get that they're a, a contracted person, but how does somebody assigned to the Vikings facility look at the mascot like this is not the mascot well, did, with the mascot suit in hand this is the mascot dressed as victor did did victor have a credential he's maybe he forgot his credential okay so what cuz anyone could go put a victor make, costume on and get into the vikings what, offensive line meeting what would make you able to talk what is the one thing like what would the one thing that would make a mascot broach that i don't think you can or break that i should say i don't think broach. you can like TC the bear, what would it take? You can't, you can't for TC talk. the bear just be like, okay, hey, I got to talk. You watch your family drown. You a, can't say a word. A bullpen cart careening towards him. You think he'd say something? Or no, no. I at this point, I don't. I think he'd stay quiet. If your house was on fire, but you were in the TC bear, you concert, can't say it. That's you, what you can't speak. That's what I'm saying. You can save. You can save people, but you 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 got to do it non verbally, like a bucket. You just like water. Throw water on it. I don't know what you do. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Life's I mean, this person wouldn't allow, Victor, answer in, all of them on wouldn't allow Victor into an area uh, dressed as Victor. Hey, you got to have your credential, even if you're a mascot, kids, okay? Let's talk about Luther Rookdale Toyota for a second here. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, where you don't need a, you don't need a credential to get in there. If, if Victor decided to stand outside the doors at Luther Rookdale Toyota, hey, I need, a, I need an oil change or something. I'm looking for a 2018 Corolla. I know that the people inside who've helped my family for a year, Steve and Dwayne and Jeremy and Paula, Tony, Badu, everyone all across the building, they would go and say, you know what, even though you're nonverbal right now and you don't have a credential and you might not fit into one of these cars because your body is large and your head's too big, we can make it work. We'll get you a sunroof. We'll get you one of those sport models. 
You know, right now, the 2018 Corolla, it's the best deal you're going to find on this thing. Uh, 0% financing, 48 months. And uh, also, it, uh, I, I believe you can get $2,000 cash back. To, that's one of the deals. Yes, that is confirmed. Uh, the Corolla is my car of choice right now. I drive a 2016 Toyota Corolla, and I love the durability and also just... Now, back to Mackie and Judd. If anyone wants to clock 1500 ESPN. I got to know what you think. The worst thing for a player to do is be sitting there and not know what the coach is thinking, not know what the leader on the team is thinking. Well, I threw a garbage can over them, some of them. Uh, with a bunch of stuff in it and told them that's where they belong with the rest of this crowd because that's what they were playing like. And so I dumped it on a couple of guys, Bert, and, and some of them were in the front row. You know, they got it. So, and then I just threw the bucket off the wall and left. That was it. <laughs> that's a Parcells. clip from, from Kyler's article about Mike Zimmer's <sighs> personality and what he learned from Bill Parcells pretty funny i think the difference and and i think where zimmer has probably evolved things and changed it in parcel's day i think it was mostly you and so you could do if you got really mad you'd get really mad and if you yelled you, you could yell and scream i don't think back in that day you necessarily had to care what, what the players thought that much mm-hmm. you probably had to care a little bit but i don't think that if if players went against you i think you just got really po'd and said, never do, do that again. Where I think Zimmer deserves credit is, now he says to himself, okay, I I did something slightly wrong here, so I'm going to learn and tweak it. Like, I can't see Parcells ever ha- having the Giants defensively go against his scheme and then being like, how can I learn from this? I think Parcells would have been like, you're never going to do, do this again for the rest of your time here, or you're not going to be here. Yeah. Where Zimmer... Harder to communicate directly now. And and I, I do think a lot of criticisms of millennials are overblown and stereotyped. But And as someone who falls in the category of, of millennial, I will say millennials, not only do they question things a lot more often because information is widely available. And so I think, I think understanding the why before you just buy in is definitely a trend for millennials. So there's just going to be more questions and you're not just going to listen to someone in uh, in a coach's position or a general manager's position, you're going to want to know why. It's not necessarily disrespectful. It's let's let's make sure we're not doing it wrong, right? And so there, it has to be kind of a we collaborative effort more than maybe the Bill Parcells era. But secondly, like like I just said, it was a lot easier for Bob Knight to tell a player this is how it's going to be in the '70s and '80s or early '90s. It was a lot easier for Bill Parcells to tell a player this is my way or the highway. With free agency and agents and all the money at stake and coaches don't have these long 10 to 15 year runs with teams, coaches are always on the hot seat. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more difficult to just be blunt and tell it like it is. And so for Zimmer to be successful doing that, offensive players is really impressive to me. I mean, it's like it's it's oftentimes really hard to rip a bandaid off and tell a millennial, a millennial aged person, this is why you're not very good at your job here. Or this is what you need to improve. Right. And then not either start to question you and back in the eighties. The two things I'm curious about with people now is this, if you question things, that's fine. Cause to me, it's like, Oh, that makes sense. And, and if I can't provide you a good explanation of why I'm doing it, I might be doing it wrong. If I was coaching, though, the one thing that would drive me crazy, and this is the second part, is 
We are now dealing with people who have gotten trophies their entire lives. Like there was always a, you know, I got a trophy for finishing to me now. I don't, I wouldn't mind being questioned, especially if it's a smart person saying, you know what, this does to me having to coddle to or, or soothe over feelings with a kid who got a trophy for everything and always got extra games and stuff. So, cause you'd be like, well, you probably shouldn't have gotten a trophy for that. But here's what, but let me flip it around as a player. What I would get frustrated by, let's say I'm a Jacksonville Jaguar right now, and Doug Marone's my coach, mm-hmm. and I know they had a good season last year, and they, you know, they went to they would they win ten games or whatever, and they went they went to the second round of the playoffs. <laughs> but as Doug Marone chewed my ass for something, yep, or came up with a scheme or whatever it is, you know what I'd be wondering visiting his Wikipedia page, for instance, I'd wonder, hmm. Where does your credibility come from, other than like you've just been coaching for a long time? Because you got fired from Buffalo. Things did not go well for you in Buffalo. You you went six and ten and nine and seven. You never made the playoffs. And then the four years before that, you were the coach at Syracuse. Okay, you won the Pinstripe Bowl, mm-hmm. but you went five and seven overall and one and six in conference twice. Well, where's your credibility coming from, yeah, other than like you're that. an authority figure, right? And so, like that's and that's do what's what I now. say because I'm telling you. Right. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be able to look at a guy's Wikipedia page back think, in 1983. I think relationships now in professional sports are incredibly difficult, and and I I also think that being a head coach now is tougher than it's ever been. I think you can be an effective assistant coach, and and you can get people to like you, and be a position coach, and things can go great. But I think trying to manage a locker room full of people constantly questioning you now, some of whom are right, and some of whom might not be. It has gotten to be incredibly dicey. Like it would be very, very difficult now. And that, that's where with Mike, I respect it because I think the only way to truly be successful now and with whether you admit this or not is probably fine. But the only way to truly be successful now is to be willing to question yourself at times. Yeah. To be say to say privately, the players might have a point here. Absolutely. And I think we still have a culture, especially in football, I think we still have a culture of a lot of people who struggle with that. Well, Tom Coughlin's the most prominent recent example, right, where yep. it was like public that some of the key players, Michael Strahan and some of the key players had to go to him one offseason and say, dude, you need to pump the brakes on this drill sergeant thing, this my way or the highway. Uh, we're not going to do anything prominent, and we're not going to buy into your message, and therefore you won't be the coach all this personality. But I think he was more open-minded to collaborating or listening or okay well if I'll meet you halfway in this regard this regard but you got to come the full way over here and they won two Super Bowls they won uh they beat the Patriots in a 16 and 0 undefeated we're going to get tougher we're changing the culture to get tougher in 1983 I think that worked in 2018 I think it backfires yeah unless you can explain the why and and get guys to buy in on some other level if it's just like this is what we're going to do and I'm and this is a and dictatorship if hit- um if but if it's hard-nosed and honest but also put my arm around you when when you need it, then you have a chance to be a Mike Zimmer. Uh, we're going to come back. Lindsey Whalen joined us earlier. It was wonderful. It was uh, wide-ranging. It was a fun conversation. So we will uh, we'll come back with that. Let's first talk about TCL TVs, America's fastest-growing TV brand and a huge TV brand worldwide. The new lineup of award-winning TCL TVs includes superior 4K picture quality, Dolby Vision, giving you greater contrast, brighter and more accurate colors, and lifelike images from the brightest brights to the darkest darks. We love watching sports on this thing. I mean, watching golf majors this summer has been awesome. Watching the World Cup and seeing all the colors pop from around 
the world. Uh, and we're also talking about entertainment, 4,000 plus streaming channels and 450,000 plus movies and TV show episodes. TCL has quickly become the pioneer in bringing the best smart TV experience to your home, or in our case, to the studio right here at 1500 ESPN. You can stop by any major local retailer in the Twin Cities and check out TCL TVs for yourself. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgan. Give us your thoughts on that. Absolutely ridiculous. Mackey and Judd. I ain't putting up with that. On 1500. We have to put up with that nonsense. ESPN. All righty. Thank you, James. Earlier today and every Monday on the Mackey and Judd Show, we talked to Lindsey Whalen, head coach, go for women's basketball. She's the winningest player in WNBA history, and we jumped into a bunch of random stuff today. We went from we went from her husband's golf career to uh, what was it like things like what, did she ever delete a tweet? Yep, to prediction for the Vikings record, in which she's very positive. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll play that back for you right now. Yeah, that was um, that was like on the first week that um, first couple weeks when all this happened, and so. Um, yeah, it was very, very busy during that time, and um, and yeah, I had just gotten my I had just gotten my car. So, yep, that's what it was. My first ever time in in a Mercedes. What's the car like to drive? It's great, it's great. It's um, yeah, it's uh, I'm very lucky, very fortunate for sure. So, um, very appreciative, and it's uh, it's nice. It's very smooth. Goes fast. Everything, you, everything you need. <laughs> Not too, not too fast, I hope. So what, what's, no, it, no, no. what's it like, and, and Steve kind of alluded to this a few times in the article, um, I feel like the difference between being a professional coach, say a Cheryl Reeve or a Tom Thibodeau, whatever it is, I mean, you get, to, you get to draft and select and sign players based on salary cap, or, I mean, if you draft someone number two overall, they're going to be on your team. But as a college coach, P.J. Fleck, you, Richard Pitino, you have to market and you have to be the face of something and you have to, it's an even playing field and you have to lure players. What's it like for you in these early stages, just being the face of essentially marketing for the women's basketball team? Yeah, that's been, um, that's, that's one of the first things that, um, that Richard, uh, coach Patino actually told me too, after my press conference, I said, I was um, talking to him a lot that week and, um, he just said, "Remember, you're always, um, you're always, you're always selling, always promoting. You know, you're always on." And so it's it's different because, um, you know, as a player, you know that you you know your responsibility as a role model. But it's different when you're, like you said, you're essentially selling. I mean, you're selling your vision. You're selling, you know, the Minnesota brand. You're doing all that. So, um, you know, which is fun and easy to do, especially when you you feel like that's like a part of you, the fact that I'm like from here and uh, played here and, and I always wanted to, um, you know, kind of like put Minnesota on the map in a sense. Um, so it's easy to do it, it, but it's at the same time, it's um, to learn how to do it and learn how to like, communicate that is another thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think this year, the fact that I'm playing has been, has been good because I think that um, a lot of people, you know, I'm, I'm out there, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on TV, we're on ESPN a lot. Um, people know I'm doing both of these roles. I mean, there was a, like you said, there's an article in Sports Illustrated. So um, there's definitely been a lot of, I guess, notoriety around it. So um, that part, you know, being out there has been, I think, good for, for us in the program. And um, so now it's just, yeah, continuing to learn and continuing to, you know, do better and, and learn, learn as I go and just understand that, like you said, you're, you're always on, you're all, I'm, you know, the, 
like you said, the face of, um, you know, the, the Gopher women's basketball team and um, do my best to always represent that really well and, and get um, obviously a lot of uh, players that want to um, come here and play for us. So Steve is great uh, and certainly one of the top guys at doing features like he did on you in the uh, country. But question for you from a guy who has tried to do that type of story before. How careful do you have to be? Because, because you know, Steve, his ultimate goal is to get you in to relax and talk about things uh, and be yourself as much as possible. From your end, when, when a reporter is trying to do that, how careful or conscious do, do you have to be about what you tell them or allow them to see? Well, in that for that article, um, you know, I'm, honestly, I had just, like I said, I had just gotten the job, and I've known Steve for a while, and he's being Rebecca Lobo's husband. I feel like I kind of know them a little more on a personal level, you know, and sure. so... That one, I, I was like, you know, I know this is going to be a big feature, so I'm not, I'm, I'm going to try to just, you know, make it a, I guess, a good story and kind of um, not be too guarded. So kind of like how I am with you guys. Um, not be too guarded and just make sure that I'm, you know, obviously I'm not going to say anything that's, you know, like not true or, you know, anything like too crazy. But, I mean, I wanted to tell the truth, and, and we just had like an open, honest conversation, and, um, he kind of took the story where it went. It was it was pretty funny because it, it brought back a lot of memories of like uh, growing up and all that, which was pretty funny. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I feel like a lot of the reporters in town. I, I know um, everybody pretty well, so I probably have a a little bit of an advantage just because I've known all you know most of the the, the men and women for years here uh, reporting. So I feel pretty comfortable with pretty much everybody. What's the, is there anything you've ever used from someone else's interviews? Like, what's what's the best bulletin board material you've ever come across? Oh, like, um... Like, what, like um, what was her name when she called you guys said, old a few weeks ago? Well, yeah, the next time we played them, I had 22, 5, and 5, so yeah. um, <laughs> I pretty much used that. And, and I want to have coaches back, too, because Coach, she stood up for us in that instance, and, and she made a lot of really good points. So I was like, I want to show... Um, not, you know, Kelsey, Plum, Bill, Lambert, all those guys that, um, you know, let's see if you can drop 22 when you're 36 and, and let me know how that goes. Um, but, you know, I'm still mad we lost that game. It was a good end of it. Would obviously, I scored the ball well, but we still lost. So it would have been, the, obviously, the main goal was to get the win, which is disappointing. But, yeah, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, us in L.A. have this really great rivalry, um, us in Phoenix over the years. So it doesn't take much to get up for those games. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, pretty much lately it's just when people call us old, we want to go out and prove them, prove them wrong. Or, um, you know, they want to every, – everybody's been trying to gear up to play us for all these years, so that's, you know, to be expected for us at this point. But, yeah, when you kind of hear people talk about how old we are, um, you know, that'll, that'll get you going for, yeah. for a while for sure. I had I had this theory on Kobe Bryant at the end, too. It's not and, – and Joe Maurer is kind of the same. When you see him, he'll – he'll for 30 days, he'll give you the old Joe Maurer for, like – you know he'll he'll hit 350 or whatever, and then. Mm-hmm. But as you get older, is it true to say that it's just hard night after night after night? It's harder <laughs> to do the 25 and five thing. I mean, Kobe, Kobe said, you know what? In my last game, I'm scoring 60 because I can. But he's not going to be able to score 35 a night for 82 games like when he was 29 years old. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just. Um, I mean, hey, look, Diana Taurasi's doing it this year. She's playing great, and we're the same age. But um, yeah, I think for for different people, it's just. Uh, yeah, there's different, 
yeah, it's just like you said, I think just the recovery part is harder. Um, the fact that when you're 26 or 25, just pretty much nothing hurts ever. And so you just go out there and play and you warm up and you feel great. Even if you're coming off of like a, a back-to-back or a three-game and four-day swing, um, yeah, I mean, we had some nights this year. Um, obviously, you hate using it as an excuse, but where I think our um, our bodies and our legs just were really fatigued because of like a seven game and fourteen game stretch. Now we didn't have a back to back, but you're playing every other day, and the day in between is usually a travel day. Um, so yeah, that was um, that was quite the stretch for us. And I know we have another stretch coming up here after a couple of days of practice. So um, hopefully, we'll have learned from that first stretch um, just how to kind of fight through and um, and make it so we can you know, have a really good stretch run here because it's, it's nine games and I think like 20 some days. So it's going to be about the same. And this season more than any has been really compacted. Um, in some instances, I think last year would have been good for our team just with the amount of, I guess, off weeks and practices we had, but this is a schedule we have and players want to play. So, um, so yeah, but like you said, it's the hardest thing is probably the, um, is the recovery factor and, and getting your body ready for, for the next night is, is probably the thing that just, you do what you can, but it's just, there's, it's just, I don't know, whatever it is, like age, modern, mother nature, all that. It's just, it comes into play at a certain point. Tell me this, as, as a person who's bad at sports, I like to talk about them, write about them, but playing them is not my forte. <laughs> what? How does one get out on a golf course <laughs> after? You're pretty good. No, I'm not. I'm terrible. How does one get out on a golf course after not having played golf, picked up the sticks all summer long, and make an eagle on a par four, 322-yard hole? How do you do that? How is that even possible? In my wildest dreams, I couldn't even get to the darn thing in seven strokes. Yeah, uh, well, it was an eagle on a par five, and then I buried the next hole. So just because I was... Oh, okay, I'm sorry about that. Clear that up. It would have been an albatross. It was a two on a four, right? Yes, you're right. Two on a five. Anyway, I... Two two on a five would be an albatross. Yeah. So, exactly. Is a what? Albatross. Yeah, two on a five is albatross. Or a double eagle or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you know how I did that? You know, I mean, when you're good, you're good. You know, you just go out there, and you just, you know, it's just... free-flowing and um no I don't know I mean I just like some of my best rounds are when I haven't played for a while so I'm not thinking um it's a lot like basketball too when you come back from a break or something you're just shooting the ball and you shoot it great for that day um and then a couple days later it kind of sinks in that you probably didn't practice enough or whatever but um but yeah no I mean you know golf for me is uh like more of a fun easygoing sport and so um I don't get too um wrapped up in you know good shots or bad shots and um, you know, it's easy to do, and most of your shots are good shots. Uh, your, your husband, Ben, he qualified for the U.S. Amateur, right? <laughs> Thanks, Lindsay. You're all good. <laughs> he did. He did, yeah. So he's going, yeah, he, this has been a, a good summer for him. He um, he was in, I think, earlier in May, he was in a four-ball um, thing with his uh, one of his golfing partners. So that was that was cool. They qualified for that, and now he qualified for the um the USM at Pebble Beach. So he goes out there next week, and I think the tournament starts on the 13th. So, yeah, you know, he's um, it's pretty cool. He's been trying to qualify for that since he was a freshman in high school. Wow. So he, he came home then as a 36-hole qualifier at Olympic Hills in Eden Prairie. And um, he came home that night, and he was pretty – he was very happy. He was like, that was probably the coolest thing he'd ever done in golf. And I was like, really, out of everything, you know, making, like, Canadian Tour, he's on the State Open – um, you know, one, they won a national championship in, in college, and he said this is probably up there as the coolest thing because um, I think if you win this tournament, 
you play in the Masters and British Open and U.S. Open and all that type of stuff. So, yeah, or maybe the top couple guys. So it's it's pretty um yeah it's pretty cool. He's excited. He's really um he's really pumped for it. So yeah. it should be good. Uh, hey, what twenty years of Lynx basketball culminated with with the All Star Game at Target Center mm-hmm. this weekend, and you had re- you had representation all over the place. Uh, what, what what did that mean to you personally? Just seeing that atmosphere and uh, and the culmination of two decades of Lynx basketball. Yeah, just um, yeah, a lot of just hard work by everybody. I mean, started with um, started with Glenn and just his vision to bring a team here, and then to you know have all of us contribute all of these um, successful seasons. Because if we wouldn't have had this um, this run and this dynasty, then you wouldn't have had you know fifteen, sixteen thousand people at that game, and we probably wouldn't have got the bid. So, and then just I mean, Coach and and Carly Knox to be able to like just make it happen and follow through and um, put on a great event was was awesome. Um, I watched a lot of it from home um, and just kind of took some downtime, but I was watching and just proud of my teammates and proud of Coach and and proud of Carly that they put on such a great event and. Um, you know, for me personally, just feeling like proud that all these years of hard work, you know, we, it kind of was, it was cool to, to have the all-star game here and to have all the best women's players, you know, in Minneapolis for a weekend. It was really special. So a lot of, a lot of years go into it, a lot of years and a lot of hard work and a lot of wins for sure to be able to get the, get a game like that here. And, um, they, all the players played great. Maya capped it off with the MVP. So yeah, you're just, you know, happy and proud of everybody because it takes a lot of work to make something like that happen. All right, 60 seconds on the clock. It's Lindsey Whalen, and it's the three-man weave. The is that what it is? Fast break. We're back. It's the it's the it's lightning round. All right, question one: How many games will the Vikings win this year, Lindsey? Eleven. Ooh. Your favorite championship season with the Lynx. You can Last only pick year. one. Last year, 2017. Yep. 2017. Yep. Is uh, is Gentry going to make appearances on Instagram after Gopher Women's Games? Uh, yeah, it depends on how the game goes. Okay. Your second favorite player growing up to Charles Barkley, who SI said was your favorite player? Ooh. Well, I mean, KG, for sure. Kevin Garnett. You almost have to say that in Minnesota. I mean, yeah. Uh, we're seeing a lot of athletes, especially baseball players, get burned by uh, tweets from seven years ago. Have you ever deleted tweets because you thought they might come back to bite you? Yeah, definitely. I um I I was so mad watching um you remember Bernard Berrien? <laughs> remember him? Oh yeah. Remember oh, my cover him. Yeah. He would go over the middle and just he had those alligator arms and you know, he never <laughs> wanted to touch it. And so I wrote I wrote Cut Berrien now and then I was just like, Wow, a lot of people were like responding to this and like really upset and like you know, people were like, As an athlete you should understand that it's just not that easy and I was like, Yeah, okay, I gotta I got you know, you don't know at first like your, your, your fandom kind of was odd, but I was a professional athlete, so it's just like, all right, delete. Let me just move on yeah. from that. There was Bernard <laughs> Berrien defenders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they did his, cut him His, his cousins. They listened to you. They caught him. I, my timeline, I, I know. My timeline was definitely like on fire that day, and I was like, "All right, I don't need this extra headache." He had that one amazing play on like Sunday Night Football. It was it was like a ninety nine yard touchdown yeah. reception against the Redskins or something. No, the Bears. The Bears. It, yeah, it was a Sunday yeah, game. Former team. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And that was pretty much the end. For Cut him. Bernard Barry, and that was sound advice, though, Waylon. <laughs> it was very sound advice. You shouldn't have taken that t- Twitter off because you were dead right, and they did cut him. So. <laughs> I know, I know. I just was like, man, I don't need all this reply. And people are just like, 
you should be more compassionate. I was just like, then I felt bad, you know, so I'm like, oh, let me get out of this quick. Avoid, obviously, it, it never really goes away. So once, no. you send, once you press send, it's out there. So Exactly. Just light the account on fire. All right, Lindsay, yep. we'll catch up next week. See you. All right, guys. Thanks. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackie. Mackie and Judd now continue. You gotta act excited. You gotta gift. You gotta act excited. But some of you are going, what am I going? On 1500 ESPN. Exclusive access to U.S. Bank Stadium. Well, then purchase your tickets now for CCFA's Touch of Football Flag Football Tournament on September 8th. Flag football teams will take over the field in a six-on-six tournament to raise money for the Crohn's Colitis Foundation. The day also includes exclusive stadium tours, memorabilia auction, 1500 ESPN Fan Zone, and more. More details at 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. Thanks, James. John Fox rocking NFL Live this afternoon. I'm sure there's some great insight coming from him. (laughs) Always just an open book as a coach. Well, you watch a lot of ESPN programming in the afternoon. Have you seen him on TV yet? No, this is this is his first day that, that I've, oh, is it? Se- I've seen him in the studio shows, yeah. Okay. I have not seen him yet, but uh, I was very uninspired when he was hired by them. I, I think he's going to be v- very boring. He should wear sunglasses. Just sit there in like a visor and sunglasses on TV. I just love like, how... Like, kind of that confused look, like he's glaring into the sun all the time. I just love how these guys who, don't, who won't, won't tell you what time of day it, it is surface in these jobs... <laughs> And then and they're, they're just open books. And well, they're either open books or they're quickly dispatched. I think John Eric, Fox can be awful. Eric Mangini was one of those dudes. He was on ESPN. Yes. For, I think he's on Fox now. Sometimes they had he's a, still making the rounds. They finally decided his niche was going to be breaking down film because I think he was so boring was for he? the most okay. part because he just had nothing to say really. Yeah, I think he, he always. You can tell the guys who kind of want to keep the door open to get back in the oh, league, yeah. and the guys who don't care. Yes, like Jeff Saturday will say whatever he wants to. And Teddy Bruschi would say whatever he wanted to, although he wouldn't criticize the Patriots much, but not that there was any... Dungy's like that to. now. He doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he he's does not, not give a He thing. does not give a damn. Uh, gentlemen, I have some, some breaking news here from the world of soccer. A major, major announcement and even partial apology here. Really? I know you're going to find this hard to believe. Yeah. Watching Brazil play games in the World Cup. You watch Brazil play. You watch Neymar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Neymar admits... Sometimes I do exaggerate in World Cup foul situations. That's right. Well, that took guts. That takes real. Neymar used a sponsor's ad to admit he exaggerated some of his reactions. (laughs) Some of his reactions after being fouled during the World Cup in Russia. So he's getting paid well to tell us what we knew to be the case already. Listen, this is an honorable thing for him to come out like this and just fully admit, listen, what, you know, a, a couple of those, like maybe the one where I acted like my entire spine was ripped out of my body, like Mortal Kombat. I told you. And then you. I was up three minutes later running around. Maybe I over-exaggerated in, that one a little bit. In four years, these guys should be tossed from the match. <laughs> throw FIFA should throw them out. Throw them out of the well, match. Well, you can get you can get a red or a yellow card for you can get a yellow card yeah. for flopping, can't you? If you get up for, you're for done. diving. If you get up if you get up, you're done. If you don't get carried off on the gurney, the only the only part of it I liked was the gurney when they actually did use the the gurney and occasionally they dumped the guy off by accident. Why do, okay, you fall off. I, I have a gurney question. Yeah. So they'll run if the like they'll run out the gurney if if it's an actual injury and then they'll just take you off to the sideline. Right. Why don't they just drive a cart out there? 
Gurney's more fun. No, but like, what's I the actual it. reason for why they don't just drive a cart? Personally, I prefer the gurney. They send four dudes in a gurney. Oh, you know why they probably don't? Because they the turf? they don't want to mess pitch. up the pitch. I bet you that's why. But because you can mess it up in an NFL game. Yeah, wouldn't you mess up a football field? Or? Yeah, but those those for the most part aren't grass. Lots of times, and if they are grass, they're really dug up badly. I bet you soccer. I bet you soccer thinks to itself, our pitch is perfect. So a guy has a compound fracture. He's bleeding out. Got to go off in the gurney. No, you got to run those guys out. Right. You don't want the cart. The cart would trample the grass. Because in a football game, the grass is a mess, right? Like if you're playing in December, the grass is ruined for the most part. So you don't care about the grass. In this case, they care about the grass. But then the other thing that will happen, too, is they'll run the gurney out. Yeah. So they'll put the guy in the gurney or they'll, like, help him off the field. Yeah. And oftentimes, if if the injury takes place near the goal, they'll just go off off the, I guess, is it, would you call it the baseline still? I don't know how end the line. terminology, the end line. Yeah. And they'll operate on the guy or they'll like give treatment to the guy. <laughs> so they operate. So <laughs> get the mask out. <laughs> so there'll be, there'll be a corner. Scalpel. Sc- so there'll be a corner kick taking place and this guy's like laying next to the goal. Yeah. And, and can't the actions spill over into it's him? It's more sure fun that, that way sometimes. though. It's the element of surprise if it does spill into uh, said player. Yeah, he might have a severed spine. I love the fact that Neymar is making money to admit to the fact of the, that he over exaggerates at times when yep. we knew exactly. Neymar, that was it. listen, it's God a, bless such a noble sports. announcement. He may have over exaggerated just a little bit, just a couple times in every single game. Yep. All right, we're back tomorrow, and uh, Matthew Kyler is going to join again. Plenty more Vikings training camp and a pecking order, and we will see you guys then. You can find our on-demand stuff on our show page at 1500ESPN.com.